0: Hello and welcome to The Mariner's Library with me, Chris major In this episode, we're continuing the book The Romantic Challenge by Sir Francis Chichester. This is the seventh part of the reading, and we're continuing chapter three. Now, if you haven't already, please consider going over to patreon.com forward slash themariner, and there, for five dollars a month, you can not only support this podcast, but also get access to additional, exclusive, Patreon-only content. Now on with the story. Chapter three continued. First day's run to noon fix Wednesday the 13th of January 1971. Position 12 degrees 6 minutes north, 16 degrees 55 minutes west. Distance fix to fix 84 miles. Calculated distance to finish 3918.5 miles. Days remaining 19. So After the first day's run, Gypsy Moth had sailed 100.4 miles, but had made good only 84 miles fix-to-fix. Also, the 84 miles was not directly towards the target because of the estuary, and also because I was keeping north of the direct route in search of more speed. She was 118 miles short of the 200-mile fix-to-fix target. For the remaining 19 days, she would have to average 206.3 miles per day. It was no use getting depressed. It was my own fault for letting myself be trapped by a romantic notion. I must get on with the job. Gypsy Moth was becalmed until two hours after noon, when a gentle northwester headed her off to the southwest. I had to drop the running sail, unship the pole, and harden up to the wind. I sluiced some bucketfuls of the Atlantic Ocean over myself in the cockpit and felt refreshed and revived, a new man. My head still aching though which i think was due to eye strain from looking for the lights the night before in the evening i had a good radio telegraph connection with the bbc gypsy moth was crossing the main steamer route and while i was below on the rt i had a bit of a fright when a steamer crossed gypsy Moth's bows the northwest breeze had also been a disagreeable surprise to me in a zone where there ought to be a northeast trade wind but i suddenly realized that it was in fact the start of the northeast trade the true wind was north by west and only appeared to be from the northwest due to my sailing into it. By evening, it had become a gentle 12-15 to 15 knot breeze and Gypsy Moth was settling into her stride. As the breeze swung round from northwest to north, I freed the sheets and thoroughly trimmed the sails. I had neglected this until now because I was so fagged out. Then, by sailing 10-15 to 15 degrees downwind of the course, Gypsy Moth's speed up began a proper start to her voyage. The whole scene had crept upon me unawares. Next morning, I was a reluctant starter, but the breeze had freshened at 20 knots, the heel was excessive and the topsail sheet was pulling the stern round to leeward, causing too much weather helm for the self-steering gear to cope with. So I hauled myself out of my bunk and dropped the topsail. By six, the sky was lightning in the east, and Gypsy Moth was well and truly in her stride. She had averaged 9.2 knots for a short period. Soon I was again at one with the ocean life. Here I am, I logged at 0800, reclining on my bunk like a grand pasha. I expect to be back on form today, after a quiet night with a lot of sleep, broken only by one sail handling and one other visit above deck to trim the helm. At the moment I am lolling and lazing, drinking my morning tea with honey, which I make without even sitting up having an Aladdin vacuum flask secured to the mizzenmast within arm's length, and the rest of the doings beside me. How excellent it is too. I am glad of a chance to recharge my energy cells. Now I must up and trim Gypsy Moth to sail her proper course, though I am loath to do so because I fear it will mean loss of speed. Second day's run to noon fix, Thursday the 14th of January 1971. Distance fixed to fix, 166 miles. Calculated distance to finish, 3,755. Days remaining, 18. The second day run was disappointing because Gypsy Moth had averaged more than her 200 miles a day in the 12 hours since midnight. Now she was 155 miles short of the two-day target and needing to average 208.6 miles per day for the remaining 18 days. Maybe I had made a fool of myself. On the other hand, a lot could happen in 18 days. In the afternoon, I sowed the rest of my salad garden, or, put a little less grandly, the four trays which I plant with mustard and cress and keep on the shelf at the back of the city in the main cabin. Two of these plastic trays are about one and a half foot long by four inches wide, and the other two about a foot long. I have developed a simple drill for the crop raising and crop rotation which seems to work well. Sheets of paper kitchen towel are folded up to make a pad about four inches square, and these are fitted on the bottom of the tray. The correct procedure is to sow the crest first, then the mustard four days later on top of it. They should then crop together. Unfortunately, I do not seem able to get crest to germinate in the tropics, so on this voyage I had to rely on mustard only. When it is ready to cut, I just lift one square paper pad and snip mustard off onto the barmine and sliced raw onion sandwich which I make for lunch. Then I fold another sheet of paper and make a fresh sowing. I had sowed one full tray before I left Bissau, but had forgotten to water it again in the flurry of beating out of the estuary, and it had died by the time I got to it. Too late, I remembered that I must water the seeds twice a day in the tropics. At 1800 hours, I set Big Brother, bringing the total sail area up to 2,270 square feet. Gypsy Moth was now on a broad reach, 100 degrees off the relative wind the excellent little self-steering gear was having trouble in controlling the heading with this amount of sail set. The big runner pulled out to windward was pressing the stem away from the wind, the opposite effect from that of the topsail, and the wind was not strong enough at 12 knots to press the wind vane over, in turn to force the self-steering skeg to one side and pull the tiller to leeward, steering the yacht back to windward to its original heading. To ease the load on the self-steering gear, it was necessary to balance the wind thrust On the sails on both the windward and the leeward sides of the yacht. The delicacy of the task was to do this without losing the wind's driving force. While I was at Bissau, Louis had brought me a huge hand of about two or three hundred green bananas. We had had a long discussion about where we should put it in Gypsy Moth and finally decided to hang it from the rail in Sheila's hanging cupboard, outboard of the alleyway going past the heads. This was all right while Gypsy Moth was at anchor, but as soon as she started bouncing round in rough seas, the bananas swung to and fro, smashing into the sides of the cupboard and the edges of the door frame, going rotten where they had been crushed and making a horrible mess of the woodwork. In pursuit of a banana after two days at sea, I discovered a slushy, rotting mess in a dark corner of the cupboard, teeming with wriggling white maggots. Presently, A minor plague of nasty black flies began to crawl over everything in the boat. They were a new species to me, with bodies and wings a little longer and more slender than ordinary houseflies. I did my best with an aerosol and hung the bananas that were left in a way that would keep them safe. By midnight, it was a halcyon night, with a bright moon shining into the boat from above the stern. A shimmering silvery path on the sea and the benign-looking stars in the summery sky Reminded me of those wondrous nights in 1931 when I was waiting to attempt the last stage of my flight across the Tasman Sea in the Gypsy Moth seaplane, which I had rebuilt at Lord Howe Island after it had been sunk in a gale in the lagoon. Nothing equals apprehension of the future for making one enjoy the unparalleled beauty and charm of the present. Flying fish were striking the deck, most of them thrashed their way back to the sea but i had seen four left behind one i picked up by the wing and i was going to throw him back but he had already passed out so i kept him it is a wonder that any survive hitting the deck of a yacht i don't know their flying speed but would think 25 miles per hour the lowest for keeping airborne with their small wings these are narrow and long looking as if made of shiny transparent plastic with thin spines from body to wing tip to keep the wings extended they have so much body for such small wings although they are mostly not much bigger than a pilchard. All this romantic delight did not go with the speed I wanted. Even so, the run from noon to midnight of 90.7 miles sailed was good considering that Gypsy Moth had not once been up to the 8.3 knots, which she had to average to make good her daily rate. I logged. It is difficult to sleep because it is so exciting and gripping trying to get the most speed possible, I believe that with this rig and five knots more wind, Gypsy Moth could whiz along. From now on, the log was filled with entries about changing sails or trim or course. Decided to drop the big runner and try hardening up to the windward for more speed. It improved the speed considerably by the looks of it. I set forth a coutred cap-a-pied to boom out the biggest runner, but after working out the true wind, I changed my mind. By sailing 20 degrees to windward of the required course, Gypsy Moth is doing well, whereas setting up the running gear may reduce the speed because it will entail sailing up to 20 degrees below or downwind of the required course. Incidentally, it will mean much banging of gear and a lot of work, so I have decided to leave it alone meanwhile. I find I make a rash and hasty decision after being pinned down to the Radio Telegraph session for 40 minutes or an hour, and usually getting fussed up about that. Third day's run to noon fix, Friday the 15th of January 1971. Distance fixed to fix, 192 miles. Calculated distance to finish, 3,568 miles. Days remaining, 17. This was better. With 192 miles made good, I was only 8 miles below the 200 miles per day target. The fact was, however, that I had failed for the third day to reach the target and was now 168 miles behind it. Gypsy Moth needed an average of 209.9 miles a day for the remaining 17 days. Working at a faster-than-normal pace in calculating sun fixes bred blunders. I wanted a fix to give an accurate position to the BBC. I knew there were mistakes in my calculations, but I could not trace them in time, so I reverted to the old square-rigger captain's practice of using a noon latitude which does not rely on accurate times. The operation is simple enough, and so is the theory. At noon, the sun is on the meridian, and therefore due south of the yacht. The point vertically overhead in the heavens is a point vertically above the latitude of the yacht. If the sextant is used to measure the angle between the point and the sun, and that angle is added to the latitude, which, to be academic, is called the declination of the sun, the result is the latitude of the yacht. On a fine day with a smooth sea, the operation couldn't be easier. To show how much time is needed for a really accurate navigation, I had taken four separate sun observations spread over a period of six hours. Apart from the measuring of the sun's height above the horizon for which I could take the average of three to six shots as a rule, there was the calculating to do for each observation, and finally the plotting of a position line for each observation. Each position line would be a small section of a vast circle on the surface of the Earth, centred at a point vertically below the sun, and with radius governed by the angle between the sun and the point vertically above the yacht. These position lines would be moved forward to the time of the last observation, according to the distance and direction sailed by the yacht in the interval. Then, theoretically, all four position lines should meet in a point. In this case, I knew my rule of thumb latitude to be accurate, and with its help I was able to decide which of the other observations was accurate and thereby get a fix to transmit to the BBC in London. I cannot bear to have a mistake put away with my calculations, however, so I worked away until I found out what the blunders were. It would be difficult to find anything more silly and elementary. The first measurement of the sun's altitude demanded that the appropriate position line should be moved 22 miles towards the sun. I had moved it 22 miles away. My fourth hurried check shot observation of the sun had a simple addition error in the calculation. I have described this incident at length in order to show the immense value of taking three or four observations instead of just two, either of the sun or of stars or of planets. Incidentally, my DR position was nine miles short of the sun fix adjusted to noon, so for the first time, Gypsy Moth had been in a favourable instead of an adverse current since leaving Africa. Hooray, I logged. At midnight, Gypsy Moth had sailed exactly 100 miles in the previous 12 hours. It's a start, it's a start, I wrote triumphantly. But an hour before midnight, the speed had dropped to 7.3 knots, and I was getting fussed. It was not fast enough. Also, the heading was 24 degrees to the north and to windward of what it should be. I went on deck and hoisted Big Brother. It is a big, awkward sail to hoist even in a pleasant light breeze of 12 knots. If it is first hauled out to the boom end, the bunt of the sail can form a great belly which beats up and down at risk of hitting the sea in front of the stem and being ridden under the keel. If it is first hoisted before being hauled out it is liable to belly out ahead of the bows and to beat to and fro to each side of the top must stay. So I laid it out along the deck, folded it by folding it into itself and tied the long sausage at intervals with lengths of soft rotten corking cotton. This enabled me to outhaul it without any trouble at all. Then, when I hoisted it, the stopping ties burst apart one after the other, letting the sail break out and fill. I still had the problem, however, of how to coax the self-steering gear to control the yacht when running with so much sail set. I began to wonder if I could counter the effect of Big Brother's turning moment on the stem by leading the sheet of the topsail to the end of the squared off mizzen boom. For the moment, I tried paying off the boom sail forward in hopes of keeping the wind more beam but as soon as the wind died down, the heading always fell off downwind and the self-steering gear did not then seem to have enough power to bring the boat back on course. I tried paying the boom sail farther forward until it was forward of the beam to see if that would cure the trouble. Come the daylight, I would try rigging the biggest wind vane, but I did not want to do it in the dark. An hour later, this latest trim of the sails seemed to be working all right. At least there had been no trouble and the speed was good. And so to bed I logged, and I hoped to get some sleep after I have finished this can of pea soup, which tastes delicious. Two hours later though, although I felt tired out, I still could not sleep. I was too tired, I suppose, or else the can of soup had been a mistake. I went on deck and thought that the mizzen which I had paid well off was doing no work, so I hardened it in. The heading promptly fell off from 285 degrees to 270 degrees, or thereabouts, which threatened to put the wind dead astern. This would at once slow down the speed, so I hurriedly reset the mizzen as it had been before. If only the wind would increase from seven to 16 knots. At 0, 0700 hours, Gypsy Moth jibed herself and the self-steering could not get her back on heading, so I had to wake up and rescue her. The wind had now backed a lot and Gypsy Moth was heading west with the a beam. With Big Brother pulled out well forward, she was doing nicely with little wind and would have done very nicely if the breeze had freshened. But the wind had been easing all night and was now down to only 10 knots. The mileage dropped short of 200 miles per day, rate by 8 miles, and I had no hope of making it up by noon unless the speed went up to 9.7 knots. I was hard at it day and night, continually trimming sheets and adjusting the self-steering to get more speed out of Gypsy Moth. On this morning, I fitted a sheave at the end of the mizzen boom and passed a rope through it, a narrow sheave at the end of that for outhauling the topsail sheet to the end of the mizzen boom fourth day's run to noon fix 183.5 miles calculated distance to finish 3385.5 days remaining 16. well that's the end of the episode for today i hope you're enjoying the story so far Now, if you haven't already, please check out the other podcast, The Mariner. There's lots of seamanship advice there and stories from my life sailing. And we answer questions and go off on terrible tangents and things that uh, seem to keep people that are interested in sailing quite entertained. That's The Mariner podcast. Of course, you can go to YouTube and pick out The Mariner there. And at the moment... We're on board with the 40-foot Triamaran Spirit, sailing from Antigua to Bermuda and then on to New England. And all of this being made possible by the kind nations of sailors over on patreon.com forward slash The Mariner. Well, that's all for today from The Mariner's Library. I look forward to speaking to you in the next one. Cheers.